Hello, welcome, Hi. welcome everybody. Welcome, welcome to the Fort Lauderdale Primary Purpose Big Book Study Group. Thank to you. To prepare for our Big Book Study, let's get focused by having a three-minute moment of silent meditation followed by the fog light prayer. Good evening, everyone. I'm a recovered alcoholic, and my name is Rob. Hi, Rob. I'm a recovered alcoholic. My name is Chris. Hi, Chris. Thanks for joining us tonight. We're going to start the meditation in a minute, so please take a moment to get situated. Please turn off all devices that make noise or will distract others for the duration of the meeting. The coffee area will be closed for this portion of the meeting so as to minimize distractions. Also, please refrain from disturbing others by talking or constantly getting up and sitting back down. For the meditation, some suggestions are focus on your breath and posture. Breathe in God and breathe out self. Take this time to get reconnected to God and let the craziness of that day drift away. Ask God to help you stay focused on the big book study tonight. Is everybody ready?
Please join us for our fog light prayer. God, God, let, let your, your love, love shine through me, through me like, like a fog light, so those who are lost, sick, and dying can find your love through me. Should we have our secretary's report? Wonderful idea. Running. You're up. Hi, my name is Ronnie, and I am your alcoholic secretary. In keeping with the seventh tradition, which states that every group should be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions, the baskets are now going around. Um, I've asked Vinny to come and read the recovered statement. We read this notice to explain why many people in this group identify as recovered rather than recovering, and what it exactly means to be a recovered alcoholic. Right. Thank you, Ronnie. Good evening, everyone. Uh, Vinny, recovered alcoholic. Recovered. We are not cured of alcoholism. Recovered, but not cured? That presents a conflict to some alcoholics. If we were cured, we would be able to drink responsibly. No, we are not cured. The allergic reaction to alcohol will remain with us for a lifetime. But we have been restored to sanity. That was the problem. The main problem of the alcoholic centers in his mind rather than the body, page 23. We are now saying where alcohol is concerned, consequently, we have recovered. All right, and if you do not have cash on you, we also do electronic transferring methods for, you know, money for the baskets. So 1940-style big book sponsorship from the forward to the second edition Alcoholics Anonymous. Of alcoholics who came to AA and really tried, 50% got sober at once and remained that way. 25% sobered up after some relapses. And among the remainder, those who stayed on with AA showed improvement. What we have seen, felt... Come to believe in experiences that God has not changed over time, and neither should the approach uh, back to his loving arms. The statistics above suggest a 75% success rate. We have CDs, mugs, large print big books, little red books, and big book dictionaries for sale. We meet every Monday promptly at 7.15, and we ask that you be courteous and ready to begin at the sound of the bells, or the road to recovery tune, I'm sorry, and then see you next week. From the forward to the first edition of Alcoholics Anonymous, we of Alcoholics Anonymous are more than 100 men and women who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. To show other alcoholics precisely how we have recovered is the main purpose of this book and of this group. From there is a solution also from the big book. The tremendous fact for every one of us is that we have discovered a common solution. We have a way out on which we can absolutely agree and upon which we can join in brotherly and harmonious action. This is the great news this book carries to those who suffer from alcoholism. This is an open meeting, and as such, all who have an interest in alcoholism and our program of recovery are welcome. Because this is an open meeting, you need not identify yourself nor your reason for being here if you do not wish to do so. Uh, Your anonymity will be protected. We ask that you protect ours. And we have an uh, anonymity announcement? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So we got a lot of folks out there on the internet listening to the podcast, Uh, and some of them come to visit us every now and then. So if you don't want somebody that's anonymous on the internet to hear your voice disguise it or just pass that mic when it comes time for the q a awesome can we have a show of hands of people joining us for the very first time here at this meeting All right. welcome welcome and a show of hands of recovered alcoholics in the room 
So if your hand's not up, find one of these people with their hands up and ask them how they did that their thing. While this is an open meeting, membership in this group is limited to those who suffer from alcoholism and who wish to recover, have a desire to stop drinking for good and all. Each member of Alcoholics Anonymous is a potential sponsor of a new member and should clearly recognize the obligations and duties of such a responsibility. Is there anyone that is in need of a big book? We have a few loners for the study tonight. Raise your hand. We can get your book. Okay. Everyone's right. got their book. Good job, greeters. Before we begin our study of the big book, last week we reviewed Tradition 4 with Denisha. I tonight... Think- we I think it was five. We did right? five. Okay. Yeah, so we got on... six on deck. Please join me in welcoming Tanisha. You will find the traditions in the big fat big book on page 562 and in the abridged skinny mini on 177, 78, 79. Hello, everyone. I am your recall, recovered alcoholic traditionist, Tanisha. Hi, Tanisha. Hey, Tanisha. Hi. Um, Okay. I got a lot of paperwork here. It's kind of like my desk at work. <laughs> Excuse me. My pages stick together? <laughs> I don't know whether that's a good thing. Tradition six. An AA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the AA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. And in the long form, Tradition 6, problems of money, property, and authority may easily divert us from our primary spiritual aim. We think, therefore, that, a, that any considerable property of genuine use to AA should be separately incorporated and managed thus dividing the material from the spiritual. An AA group as such should never go into business. Secondary aids to AA, such as clubs or hospitals, which require much property or administration, ought to be incorporated and and so set apart that, if necessary, they can be freely discarded by the groups. Hence, such facilities ought not to use the AA name. Their management should be the sole responsibility of those who financially support them. For clubs, A managers are usually preferred, but hospitals as well as other places of recuperation ought to be well outside AA, the medically supervised and medically supervised. While an AA group may co- cooperate with anyone, such cooperation ought never go so far as affiliation or endorsement, actual or implied. An AA group an AA group can bind itself to no one. So with that said So an AA group ought never endorse finance or lend the AA name. In the 12 and 12 at the end of the Tradition 6, which shares the story of a man that was offered a position as a super promoter, through radio, press, film, he would share his experience, strength, and hope with the world, breaking his anonymity to declare his approval publicly, that of which is responsibility of great liquor companies. And you can find this on page 7, 12 and 12. They wanted... They wanted to say that liquor should be enjoyed, not misused. Hard drinkers ought to slow down, and problem drinker, drinkers, alcoholics, 
should not drink at all. It reminds me of what they say about us on page 20 in the big book. Like, why can't he just leave it alone? Why can't he just stop? She's such a nice girl. Imagine people following you, asking you questions, disturbing your personal life, expecting you to be camera ready, like paparazzi. Hollywood ain't for everybody. Definitely not for AA. Imagine being forced to work in a hospital because you have recovered. Such a special gift that is freely given unto us. Where is the spirituality in that? You definitely won't carry the message then. It would become like a sweatshop of untreated alcoholics. In the past, publicizing AA brought on confusion. Rumors were, rumors were fixed where we were fixed drunks. We were education, an, an educational project for alcoholism. They didn't know whether we were spiritual or medical. And some of us wanted to even go as far as reforming, even changing the law so that it'll protect us, us poor, sick alcoholics. And we would be paroled into our own custody, lunacy. Those AA enthusiasts ran on with it. They wanted to do good and had ambitions of transforming the world by teaching the world how to live happily. Their hearts were in, their right, were in the right place. But back to the super promoter, what if he had a slip? Then what? That would spread like a wildfire. Look at what they do to celebrities today. I'm so glad that we have this tradition. No TMZ for me, <laughs> and definitely not for AA. Most of us are bankrupt idealists. Ever heard of a newcomer shares plan of how he's going to pull himself back together and get everything back and can really sell that idea? By the protective care through AA one day at a time, we have recovered. Money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Yes, we should be self-supporting, but we don't need a lot of money to do so. Spirituality and materialism doesn't mix. One alcoholic talking to another doesn't require an AA Starbucks. One alcoholic talking to another doesn't have to be in a special place, not within reach, like a resort or a spa. The juice is in the message. We have a limit on the amount we can even receive from a generous donor to protect us. Ever been to an AA clubhouse? To, to a clubhouse that's known by the name AA? There isn't one. Clubhouses can't even use our names. It isn't, it isn't to say not to start your own recovery program or halfway house but to be mindful and not mixing the name AA with it. We are not affiliated. As Bill said, money is not, money is not the lifeblood of AA. And I like that because it basically tells me that without money, without prestige, without property, without all that stuff, I can come to AA naked and still hear the message. Thank you. Thank you, Tanisha.
In order to help us stay focused as we study the big book, we use the big book study guide prepared by Joe and Charlie and Krusty Cliff of the Dallas Primary Purpose Group. Tonight, Kathy is going to be reading from the podium. I'm going to be running the mic, and we're going to begin on the top of page 26, but we're going to cue it up. We're going to tee it up on 25. Uh, so Kathy's up here. Please join me in welcoming Kathy. We're going to start at There is a Solution. Uh, we'll let you know. And that's on page 25. After the page or pages are read, we're going to ask questions from the podium starting back at the top of page 26. The answers will be one sentence unless otherwise specified. And multi-part questions are simply a one-sentence answer split up by commas, semicolons, hyphens, and other fun bits of punctuation. Basically, in English, what that means is we're going to read the material once through and then redissect the information a second time through the question and answer format. Notice how the language in the questions gives us a new light in which to consider the study material. This is important because hearing the question and rereading the content offers a definite way of comprehending the material covered. After we've completed the page, we open up for comments, questions, observations based on what was just read. If you have spiritual experiences with this information or just questions, you are free to share. However, big book study is not therapy. Should you begin sharing about topics which are more appropriately discussed in a different, i.e. sponsorship, attorney setting, please do not be offended when we cut that conversation short. For that purpose, we have fellowship before and after the study time. You can never go wrong by commenting on the page, which brings us to the words of one of the co-founders of Alcoholics Anonymous. Sobriety, freedom from alcohol, through the teaching and practice of the 12 steps is the sole purpose of any Alcoholics Anonymous group. Yeah. So how did we get here? We began a long, long time ago in the very beginning of this big book <laughs> on page zero. And uh, it was many weeks ago. And it was, uh, we learned about the history of our fellowship. If I'm going to be coming to AA meetings for the rest of my life, I might want to know where I come from, where the, where the fellowship arrived. And it talks about how they, uh, the Oxford group and the Oxford group was this first century Christian program of that day. And Bill was involved with Dr. Silkworth at Towns Hospital. So he couldn't accept all the tenets of the Oxford group, but he was convinced of the need for moral inventory, confession of personality defects helpfulness to others, and the necessity of belief in and dependence upon God, and restitution to those harmed. So he, had, he couldn't believe in the, the God of their conception, but he did understand the fatality of alcohol. And so after the, and we talk about some of the history and how it was founded in the 1930s. And then from there we get into... The Doctor's Opinion, which was a contribution by Dr. William Silkworth, uh, one of the society's uh, early benefactors. And he expands on this that we got introduced to in the forwards in the preface that alcoholism is a threefold illness, right? We have a mental obsession, uh, physical allergy, and um, a, sp a spiritual malady. So he, he expands on the physical allergy and talks about the phenomenon of craving, that that's what differentiates us from your average drinker or even your heavy drinker that you know, what I like to say, when I have a drink, I get really thirsty, right? This phenomenon of craving kicks in, and then I have to drink to overcome this craving, and I, and I can't stop or control that once that's triggered. Um, so we get the introduction to that and really understanding uh, the disease of alcoholism. And then we get into chapter Bill, one. Chapter one, page one, we get Bill's story, and we get to see the disease in action. So Bill was a successful self-made kind of guy. Him and Lois toured the country while he was investigating uh, stocks, and he was kind of one of the pioneers of value investing. And his reports back to Wall Street, he got this expense account, and he made a lot of money. He was very popular and successful, and then he lost his friends from drinking, and he became a lone wolf, and then he went golfing. 
and spent all his money <laughs> golfing. And then the stock market crashed. And Bill Wilson, uh, this capable, hardworking man, was basically cast into alcoholic despair, not by the stock market crashing, but by his own progressive alcoholism. And he was drinking by himself in his wife's uh, mom's house and it was taken over by the mortgage holders. And then Ebby came. It was an old school friend. He was sober somehow. It was a miracle. And he talked with him about how that was accomplished. And then uh, it was multi- it multiplied itself in an ever widening circle of peace on earth and goodwill to men. So that's Bill's story in a nutshell. And then that transitions into the next chapter. Amen. And that chapter is There is a Solution, which is a chapter we are still in. And basically, uh, we're talking about now the solution, which is spiritual in nature. It talks about the, the two forces that we have here in Alcoholics Anonymous, one of them being the powership of the fellowship, having escaped this grave danger uh, altogether like the passengers of a sinking Titanic or otherwise shipwrecked boat. Uh, but that's only one element of the power powerful cement that binds us but we all have this common solution that's spiritual in nature and we talk about the spiritual experiences uh it also talks about the different kinds of drinkers and what differentiates the real alcoholic from the moderate drinker or the problem heavy hard drinker and that is that we've lost this power of choice in drink and it's talking about how uh this mental obsession always brings us back to drink and that's where the main uh problem lies for the alcoholic so uh, we are exploring this solution here today. We're getting towards the end of it, end of the chapter. Uh, we've been in for many weeks now, uh, but uh, we're going to tee up the reading on, uh, do a little recap, starting on the first full paragraph on 25 that says there is a solution, and we will cut you off when it's time. Okay, my name's Kathy Alcoholic. Okay. Um, there is a solution. Almost none of us like the self-seeking the leveling of our pride, the confession of our shortcomings, which the progress required for its successful consummation. But we saw that it really worked in others, and we had come to believe in the hopelessness and futility of life as we had been living it. When, therefore, we were approached by those in whom the problem had been solved, there was nothing left for us to do but to pick up the simple kit of spiritual tools laid at our feet. We have found much of heaven, and we have been rocketed into a fourth dimension of existence, of which we had not even dreamed." The great fact for us is this, and nothing less, that we have had deep and effective spiritual experiences which have revolutionized our whole attitude towards life, towards our fellows, and towards God's universe. The central fact for our lives today is the absolute certainty that our Creator has entered into our hearts and lives in a way which is indeed miraculous. He has commenced to accomplish those things for us which we could never do for ourselves. If you are a serious alcoholic as we were, we believe there is no middle-of-the-road solution. We were in a position where life was becoming impossible, and if, if we had passed into the region from which there is no return through human aid, we had but two alternatives. One was to go on to the bitter end, blocking out the unconsciousness of our intolerable situation as best we could, and the other, to accept spiritual help. This we did because we honestly wanted to and because we were willing to make the effort. A certain certain American businessman had ability, good sense, and high character. For years, he had floundered from one sanitarium to another. He consulted the best-known American psychiatrist. Then he had gone to Europe, placing himself in the care of a celebrated physician, a psychiatrist, Dr. Young, who prescribed for him. Through experience, he had 
Though experience had made him skeptical, he finished his treatment with unusual confidence. His physical and mental condition were unusually good, and above all, he believed he had acquired such profound knowledge of the inner working of his mind and its hidden springs that relapse was unthinkable. Nevertheless, he was drunk in a short time. More baffling still, he could give himself no satisfactory explanation for his fall. So he returned to his doctor, whom he admired, and asked him point blank why he could not recover. He wished above all things to regain self-control. He seemed quite rational and well-balanced with respect to other problems, yet he had no control whatever over alcohol. Why was this? He begged the doctor to tell him the whole truth, and he got it. In the doctor's judgment, he was utterly hopeless. He could never regain his position in society, and he would have to place himself under lock and key or hire a bodyguard if he expected to live long. That was the great physician's opinion. But this man still lives, and he is a free man. He does not need a bodyguard, nor is he confined. He can go anywhere on this earth that other free men may go without disaster, provided he remains willing to maintain a certain simple attitude. Some of our alcoholics' readers may think they can do without spiritual help. Let us tell you the rest of the conversation our friend had with his doctor. The doctor said, you have the mind of a chronic alcoholic. I have never seen one single case recover where that state of mind existed to the extent that it does in you. Our friend felt as though the gates of hell had closed on him with a clang. He said to the doctor, is there no exception? Yes, replied the doctor, there is. Exceptions to cases such as yours have been occurring since early times. Here and there, once in a while, alcoholics have what are called vital spiritual experiences. To me, these occurrences are phenomenon. They appear in the nature of huge emotional displacements and rearrangements, ideals, emotions, and attitudes, which were once the guiding force of the lives of these men are suddenly cast to one side, and a completely new set of conceptions and motives begin to dominate them. In fact, I've been trying to produce such emotional rearrangements within you. With many individuals, the methods which I employ are successful, but I have not, never been successful with alcoholic of your description. Upon hearing this, our friend was somewhat relieved, for he reflected that, after all, he was a good church member. This hope, however, was destroyed by the doctor telling him that while his religious convictions were very good, in his case, it did not spell the necessary vital spiritual experience. Here was the terrible dilemma in which our friend found himself. When he had a, the extraordinary experience, which, as we have already told you, made him a free man. We, in turn, sought the same escape with all the desperation of drowning men. What seemed at first a flimsy reed had proved to be the loving and powerful hand of God. A new life had been given to us, or, if you prefer, a design for living that really works. Is he on? Is Rob on? Hello? There we go. Yeah, we're starting on page 26 at the top, a certain American businessman. Q&A time. Wonderful. How is Roland H., an American businessman, described? A certain American businessman had ability, good sense, and high character. Sounds a lot like me. Uh, where had he sought help? Two sentences. For years, he had floundered, floundered from one sanitarium to another. He had consulted the best-known American psychiatrist. Who did he finally go to? Uh, then he had 
gone to Europe, placing himself in the care of the celebrated physician, the psychiatrist, Dr. Jung, who prescribed for him. Was he confident that he had been fixed? Through experience ha- hadn't made him skeptical, he finished his treatment with unusual confidence. How were his mental and physical condition after his treatment? His physical and mental condition were unusually good. Above all, what did he believe? Um, He believed he had acquired such a profound knowledge of the inner workings of his mind and its hidden springs that relapse was unthinkable. Nevertheless, what happened? Nevertheless, he was drunk in a short time. How did he explain it? More baffling still, he could give himself no satisfactory explanation for his fall. We're going to do the next couple paragraphs before we open it up here. Uh, The next one is a three-parter. What did he do? Did he really respect the doctor? I know this is exciting. Did he really respect the doctor? And what did he ask the doctor? So he returned to this doctor, whom he admired, and asked him point blank why he could not recover. He wished above... No, you're good. You're amazing. What was his greatest wish? He wished above all things to regain self-control. Did he appear to be a very normal person? He seemed quite rational and well-balanced with respect to other problems. What was it he had no control over? Yet he had no control, whatever, over alcohol. What was his question? Why was this? (laughs) Got him. Next paragraph. What did he want to know? He begged the doctor to tell him the whole truth, and he got it. Next one is a two-parter. What was the truth, and what would he have to do to live? In the doctor's judgment, he was utterly hopeless. He could never regain his position in society and would have to place himself under a lock and key or hire a bodyguard if he expected to live long. Who said so? (laughs) That was a great physician's opinion. All right. These uh, three paragraphs here are open for discussion. If you have experience here, questions, comments, concerns, snide remarks. (laughs) <laughs> Hi, I'm Ryan. I'm an alcoholic. Hey, Ryan. Hey, so this this paragraph, the first one that we read, has me thinking about my first time in treatment. Um, and I remember, like, going through my 28 days, I think I got, like, some certificate at the end of it. And um, so that definitely meant that I was, I was cured. Um, but I just remember, like, getting out and being like, okay, like, I know that I need to stay away from, like, these people, right? And I need to not go to these places. And, you know, and if I can just do these things, then I'll be okay, right? That lasted me for about two days. Two, yeah, two days. Um, Because, like, what I figured out, or what I know now, I didn't figure it out then, but what I know now is that I was untreated and that if I'm untreated... I'm going to, it doesn't matter what people I'm around or what places I'm in or what things that I'm doing or what's going on in my life. If I'm untreated, I'm going to drink regardless. Um, So, you know, treatment was great. It got me off of drugs and alcohol for a little while. 
um, but I was, it didn't treat me, you know. So um, that's why I'm so glad that I have this program. I'm so glad that I have um, these meetings because, I mean, this is, this is what I need. So that's all I got. Thanks. Thanks, Ryan. Hi, recovered alcoholic named Kelly. Hi, Kelly. Hi. This also reminds me of the, the first time I went to quote, quote, treatment, but mine was actually, I guess, a detox. And it was the first one I had ever been to. And I had woken up and I was really scared because I had, was having the physical withdrawals. I had crossed over into that region and I didn't know what was wrong with me. And I was crying and begging my uh, husband at the time for help. So I ended up in this really fancy schmancy little place and I was there for eight or nine days. And by the time I left, I felt great. You know, I, I was full of energy. My color was back. There was shine in my eyes again. And and I was ready to go. Whether they spoke to me of staying away from people or they spoke to me of Alcoholics Anonymous, a program of Alcoholics Anonymous, if they did, I didn't hear it or receive it. I had no idea what was wrong with me. And I was picked up. I was set right back into my regular life. I thought I understood what I was supposed to do. And I kind of white-knuckled it for a couple of days until my husband looked at me and he said, so do you think you can drink like a normal person now? I was like, yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. And it was off to the races again. And it was bam, 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 the psychiatrist, you know, it was, it was that downhill shuffle. But I was completely unaware of the, the threefold disease that was raging inside me. I didn't know. And thank God for this program. And when I was ready to hear the information and when I had that gift of desperation, I heard it and I, I, I got the solution. Thank you. Thank you. I remember coming off of a five-year run, uh, detoxing, <laughs> de detoxing in, in the hospital and then going to treatment. And then I moved into a nice halfway house on the beach, and I made a lady friend there. Ooh. And actually, some of the administrators that uh, worked for the treatment center that I went to invited me to a softball game. So I literally went to a softball game, put on a glove, and, and I got to participate in that game. And that's a lot different from what we get here, right? Carl Jung says... <laughs> You're, you're utterly hopeless. Uh, you have to hire a bodyguard or place yourself under lock and key if you want to live long. They're like, live on the beach. Have, get a girlfriend. Play softball. Now, that's the implicit message, right? They weren't literally saying that, but Carl Jung is literally saying that, right? Hopeless. And that's, uh, that's the message here, right? That's step one stuff. We have to understand the hopelessness and the fatality of the disease. Yeah, absolutely. That, this line, uh, like you were just saying, doctor's judgment he was utterly hopeless he could never regain his position in society place himself under lock and key hire a bodyguard if he's bodyguard if he's expected to live long that was a great physician's opinion it reminds me of our other doctor friend dr silkworth in uh, the doctor's opinion on xx I, I, I. uh it says <laughs> what with our uh <laughs> that was fun. What with our ultra-modern standards, our scientific approach to everything, we are perhaps not well-equipped to apply the powers of good that lie outside our synthetic knowledge. You know, that's always struck something in me, like imagining being a doctor and, you know, going through all this schooling and, you know, society making a pretty big deal out of you as a doctor, and you're just like, look, I can't do anything with you real alcoholics, right? Like, that's a power that is beyond um, what I can reach with, with my human power and, and my synthetic knowledge and scientific knowledge. Um, and, you know, and here it is again. But thank God for, for people like uh, Carl Jung and, and Dr. Silforth that 
Silkworth that can acknowledge that and then say, hey, let's consider something else, right? And we're going to get to that um, here in the next few paragraphs. Hi, everybody. My name is Bill, and I'm a grateful recovered alcoholic. Hey, Bill. Well, to state the obvious, the name of the chapter is There is a Solution. And if we go back to the very beginning of the chapter, it, it made it very clear to me, and I think it wanted to make it clear to everyone, that the solution is power. And there's two sources of power. One is the, the Fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous, which can support us and uh, teach us and encourage us. Um, but it also is very clear saying that, that that's human power and that that's not enough. Um, that we must have the vital spiritual awakening, the spiritual experience. <clears throat> and the rest of the chapter is dedicated to telling us why that's necessary. Uh, in this particular paragraph, the thing that I find interesting is how lucky we are to even have this program. Because there were three great psychiatrists at the time, Adler, Freud, and Jung. And Adler and Freud both were completely psychoanalytical and only dealt with the mind. Jung was the only one who brought in a spiritual aspect to his uh, psychiatry. And uh, if we hadn't, if we hadn't, if he had gone to one of the others, we may all be out there on the street drunk again. Okay? Uh, who's, to, who's to know? The other interesting thing is that uh, all of the steps came from non-alcoholics. As you were mentioning before, uh, step one was from Dr. Silkworth that were parallels over alcohol. Uh, step two came from Dr. Jung, and step three through 12 came from the Oxford group, which were a bunch of first century Christians, none of them, dr none of them drunks. Uh, in fact, the only drunks that were there were Bill Wilson and a bunch of other crazies that they called the drunk squad of the Oxford group. Um, the only, the last point I wanted to make is, is that on the, on the previous page, and I, and I, and this is one of the things that appeals to me about Alcoholics Anonymous is it doesn't ever tell me you must, you should, okay? It says, this is what we did. If you have our problem, you might want to consider our solution. And, and it says here that almost none of us like the self-searching, the leveling of our pride, the confessions of shortcomings, which the process requires. It doesn't say AA requires. If you don't do this, we're going to kick you out. It says if you want the, if you want the recovery, the process requires that you do these things. Your call. Thank you. Thanks for sharing. Thank you. Shall we continue? Let's do it. Uh, da, da, da. Did, the, did he die from drinking? But this man still lives and is a free man. Did he need to be protected from himself? He does not need a bodyguard, nor is he confined. Next one looks like a two-parter. It's kind of truncated. Was he free to come and go as he pleased? And what must he do to maintain his freedom from alcohol? He can go anywhere on this earth where other free men may go without disaster, provided he remains willing to maintain a certain simple attitude. The comment in the book says, could this be to accept spiritual help? I'm going to do a couple more paragraphs here. We've got a, a few small ones. 
Uh, next one. Do some alcoholics believe they can do without spiritual help? Some of, some of our alcoholic uh, readers um, <laughs> may tell you that they can do without spiritual help. What will the authors tell us? Let us tell you the rest of the conversation our friend had with his doctor. What did the doctor tell Roland was his problem? The doctor said, you had, <clears throat> you had the mind of a chronic alcoholic. How many alcoholics like Roland had Dr. Jung seen recover? I have never seen one single case recover where that state of mind existed to the extent that it does in you. How did Roland feel after hearing of this prognosis? Our friend felt as though the gates of hell had closed on him with a clang. What was his question to the doctor? He said to the doctor, is there no exception? What was the doctor's reply? Yes, replied the doctor, there is. Was the doctor, <laughs> was the doctor aware of exceptions? Exceptions to cases such as yours have been occurring since early times. Were they a common occurrence? Here and there, once in a while, alcoholics have had what are called vital spiritual experiences. Did Dr. Jung understand these occurrences? To me, these occurrences are a phenomena. What did these vital spiritual experiences appear to be to Dr. Jung? They appear, they appear to be in the nature of huge emotional displacements and rearrangements. Uh, the comment in the book says, remember, Dr. Silkworth believed that the only hope for a chronic alcoholic was an entire psychic change, a complete change in the way we think and the way we feel. Dr. Jung told Roland the same thing. Our old ideas and beliefs must be replaced with new ideas and beliefs. Taking the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous will, pro will produce that vital psychic change or spiritual awakening slash experience, a complete change in the way we think and the way we feel. And we did read and expand on spiritual experience in the appendix the past couple weeks. Uh, next question. What was the product of these occurrences? Ideas, emotions, and attitudes, which were once the guiding forces of the lives of these men, are suddenly cast to one side, and a completely new set of conceptions and motives begin to dominate them. What had Dr. Jung been attempting to do with Roland? In fact, I have been trying to produce some such emotional rearrangement within you. Had Dr. Jung been successful with the hard drinkers? With many individuals, the methods which I employed are successful, but I have never been successful with an alcoholic of your description. Nice. That was actually a, a two-parter about been successful with hard drinkers was the first part, and the second part was had he had any success with a real alcoholic, which you answered. So these paragraphs are open for comments, questions. Good evening. Alcoholic Mike Chase. Hey, Mike Chase. First thing I would have done is ask that guy for my money back. He said numerous occasions, I've never had success with an alcoholic of your type. I've never been able to treat an alcoholic of your type, but yet he took him on as a patient. So, so imagine his, his little thing he's got going. He's got 5, 10, maybe 15 people in his facility, and most of them are problem heavy hard drinkers, apparently. they just got little issues in their life. So he's bringing this Eastern religion spiritual humming and stuff and that's really good for the problem heavy hard drinkers sort of sort of like aa today you know we got the spiritual humming in a lot of groups but it's not the the stuff 
that's necessary for an entire psychic change. He says, I've seen these type of things happen. They appear to be in the nature of huge emotional displacements and rearrangements. See, that's the only thing that can treat an alcoholic. I love going to meetings. I love in the back, sitting in the back, having coffee, occasionally having donuts, and feeling really good. And I did that from 2004 to 2006, and I kept drinking because that was not sufficient enough. I had service commitments. It didn't work. I even went to IOP. But I drank because guess what? IOP doesn't really treat alcoholism. It treats problem-heavy hard drinkers. The only thing that successfully that we know about, at least in this room, is working those 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous to the fullest of our extent and then intensively working with alcoholics afterwards. Intensively working with other alcoholics afterwards. Not occasionally, not for fun, not when it feels like it. If you're a real addict alcoholic, this is the stuff that you have to get. If you're a problem-heavy hard drinker, you know, have fun and get out with life and go to school and do that fun stuff, you know? But uh, for me... As an alcoholic, I have to do this in order to stay sober. Even when the shit hits the fan, I do this. Thanks. Thanks for sharing. So as he walks up to the room, does anybody else want to share? <laughs> He's got this. I'll meet you up there. All right. Uh, yeah. So the song Under Pressure with David Bowie and Freddie Mercury. Who's familiar with it? Yeah. Bum, 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 bum. You know the song. So, I thought that was Vanilla Ice. Yeah, he sampled it, right? Oh, so, okay. Yeah. David Bowie's a rock star. Freddie Mercury's a rock star. Here we have Bill Wilson, author of the Big Book. He's laying out the solution for us, the human power, the solution, the steps, the path to a spiritual experience. And then we have Carl Jung, one of the original psychoanalysts. It's two rock stars in the same chapter. Nice. <laughs> Let's see what you did there. Yeah. And you will never forget that when you're reading with your sponsees. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I, I can only imagine what that what that treatment costs for a year with Dr. Jung. I mean, it says here he's a cel- celebrated psychiatrist. He's still today, you know, regarded as one of one of the greats. And and uh, here he is, you know, saying you have the mind of a chronic alcoholic. I've never seen one single case recover, but he's trying. He's trying. Uh, I have a note in the book here that says that's because he's one of those real alkies, right? And and that. You know, moral psychology, the same thing that Dr. Silkworth talked about in the doctor's opinion, where he's successful with the problem heavy heart drinker is not sufficient for the real alcoholic. I often wonder, like, what would have happened if if Roland didn't ask the question, is there no exception? Right. Or what would have happened if he ended up with a Freud? Right. And, and you know, they weren't um, open to the spiritual concept. Right. We, we would be. In these meetings, maybe talking about our mommy and daddy issues or, you know, being Some sat on the are. toilet backwards or, you know, yeah. <laughs> Some of this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm Ryan. I'm still an alcoholic. Hey, um, Ryan. Something that I don't – and I, I could be wrong, I don't – but this is something that's been standing out to me. Um, I would imagine that if Roland was studying with Dr. Young for all this time, right, that, like, money wasn't really an issue for him – as far as that was concerned. Um, so I feel like this might be one of those little God moments um, that if I wasn't paying attention to it, I probably wouldn't notice. But like Dr. Young could have totally just been like, hey, like, let me keep treating you. You know, we'll, we'll get this, right? But he didn't do that. Like instead he was like, look, I, I can't help you. You need to have a spiritual experience with this. Um, so, I mean, like, I think like, I don't know, like, I don't think any of the people that were running the treatments that I went to would have been like, hey, no, go have a spiritual experience. We can't help you. 
you know, they would have been like, how's your insurance? Yeah. <laughs> so I just think that this is just a great moment where, like, it's like one of those little God threads in this whole blanket that if that little thread was pulled out, we might not have what we have today. So I just wanted to point that out. Yeah, amen. When you look at all those little God moments that line up in our history that lead us to this point and beyond. The interesting thing about Jung was he knew what he needed, what Roland Hazard needed, but he didn't know how to produce it. It was the it was the Oxford group that had the secret to producing this spiritual awakening, the spiritual experience. And like you say, he sent him away and said, this is what you need. I don't know how you're going to get it, but good luck. Thank God. Thank God for the Oxford group. Yeah. Vinny, alcoholic. Hey, Vinny. Um, yeah, so a lot of um, a lot of good stuff being said um, about um, you know heavy hard drinkers and then the real alcoholic in it, and it got me thinking. I appreciate uh, everyone who shared, and thank you, Chris and uh, Rob, for your service, and Tanisha and everyone else. Um, but uh, you know, uh, talking about treatment, I think it's so funny to say you know, IOP treats um, you know uh, heavy hard drinkers. And um, I was uh, about two years into this program, uh, sober, like the first time in this program, you know, getting sober. And um, it wasn't until I started, I moved from West Palm um, to this area. And I was doing about three meetings a day for the good, like, year and a half. And I've never, never even knew that we needed a spiritual experience. And I had sponsees. And I had gone through the NA steps like twice and AA, I think, twice. Um, and, yeah, and that was two years of a lot of meetings. And, and I worked in treatment. Imagine that. Um, <laughs> but I guess where I'm trying to go with this is, is um, you know, it really is a blessing to, uh, to have people that are in the interest of the real alcoholic and they know the paramount difference between you know the heavy hard drinker and the alcoholic because it's life or death for the real alcoholic and um you know i just really appreciate people that um you know really look towards that and you know just like with this doctor or um yeah dr ewing said you know he's like i can't help you you know because he knew he couldn't you know that's depriving another alcoholic of you know getting well he knew he didn't have what he could he couldn't give him what he needed um, but thanks for letting me share. Thanks, thanks for sharing. Yeah, it's crazy how many meetings you can go into and not know what the program of action is, right, or, or how to achieve a, a vital spiritual experience. It's funny that you say that. I, I have a, a longtime childhood friend that um, I'm friends with on the face page, and he, <laughs> you know, I've seen him do this multiple times where he'll post, like, 30 days sober, 60 days sober, and, you know, and then eventually, you know, I'll see him drinking, and then... This last time, he said, 30 days sober. And, and so I just sent him a little message. I'm like, hey, man, are you, are you doing this in a 12-step program? And he goes, no, I'm just going to AA meetings in town. I'm like, AA is a 12-step program. So you know, here would be my recommendations. Uh, but I just, you know, to your point, you can go into three meetings a day and not know what you're even taking part in. Alcoholic Mike Chase. I cannot let this Mike go Chase. without saying anything about it. Please don't. I'm going to. So um, they say that 
Roland had possibly gone to Europe, possibly going to see Sigmund Freud, but Sigmund Freud was on his coke binge weekends, and and so he went to go Sigmund Freud, and Sigmund Freud, oh, he's not here, he can't be. You have to. So sort of sarcastically, they sent him to Carl Jung because he was sort of the odd couple of the type because he wasn't following strict psychological things. He was more of the spiritual guy, and they like to say, imagine if Roland had ended up going to Sigmund Freud. And what would the meetings be like? You know, they wouldn't be spiritual in nature. They'd be like, oh, I don't know. Anybody got a problem meetings? Or let's have an open discussion meeting. Or uh, mm-hmm. let's have a process meeting. It's sort of ironic. The meetings that were supposed to be were not supposed to be sort of divulged into through the re- treatment centers and the psychology. They've taken what's not supposed to be in AA and made it AA. Instead of meetings about spirituality, seeking a relationship with God and service to others, it's moral inventory meetings. Which is sort of sad. Thanks. Mm. Got him. Real quick, <laughs> Tanisha, alcoholic. Hello, Tanisha. Um, I I just got to put it out there. Like, I was court ordered like way back in two thousand four. You know, going to meetings in a recovery treatment. You know, and until 2016, from 2004, um, in 2016, that that was that was the light right there. That's when you know I met a lady that was doing service in my treatment center, that was bringing in meetings, that was sponsoring other women, that was you know taking them through the book, um, and that's when I got it. So it's like all those years that passed. Like, I didn't even know about the steps. Like, let alone, like, talking about, like, spiritual experience. Like, I didn't even know that. I didn't even read the book. You know, I just went to meetings. And it's just, it's sad. It's sad because I know that I'm not the only one that actually, you know, went through it like that. But, you know, that's why it's so important that when you come across someone, you immediately open up this book, put a book in their hand, give them the solution that's been freely given to us, and do it fast. Like, don't wait. Don't don't give them these ultimatums like, you know, 90 and 90, call me every day. I mean, I heard Doc say that from the podium, you know, like all these stipulations that you have to go through and everything. It's like, no, like, just open the book and start reading with them. Share your experience. Share your experience, strength, and hope, you know, and, and just allow them to relate to you because, you know, the faster that, you know, it just seeps into their brain, you know, the, the faster that they can start feeling free like we are. So thank you for letting me share. Thanks, Tanisha. Thanks for sharing. Should we, should we wrap her on up there, Rob? I like that idea. Okay. Yeah. We have a business meeting oh, tonight. We do? So we're under pressure. Time Get pressure. Let, let's give Kathy a round of applause for the reading tonight. From A Vision for You, page 164, God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but you obviously cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and for countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny.
It is the practice of the Fort Lauderdale Primary Purpose Big Book Study Group for group members' sponsors to introduce their new sponsees by presenting them with a sponsorship medallion. Does anybody have a sponsee they would like to introduce to AA? Any member of AA with a sponsee? No? Okay. Bring two <laughs> next week. I got excited. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm jumpy for sponsees. <laughs> Anyone celebrating a year or more of sobriety that would like to be recognized with a medallion? Okay. Um, can all home group members please raise your hands? We will see you right after the meeting to break down quickly so we can have a business meeting. Is there anybody that is in need of a big book sponsor? You can raise your hand. If you're too embarrassed, you can always just find out one of those recovered people that had their hands up earlier. Uh, and if you would like to become a member of this group, please join us after and fill out a membership card and join us in the business meeting. Thanks for joining us tonight. We hope to see you next week and then Thursday night. Do we have a special guest speaker? Oh. We do. We have a special guest speaker. Her name is Isabel. It's going to be fantastic. I'm, getting two, I'm seeing people with two thumbs up in the room. I'm hearing applause. It's going to be great. All right. If you can't make it in IRL, is what the kids say, in real life, I, I you can so. always listen on the podcast because that meeting is also recorded you, we'll and online. On MySpace. On the MySpace page, yes. <laughs> Please wait until you're 75 feet away from the doors to vape or smoke. And if you're mentally stable, you can vape on the balcony outside that <laughs> curtain. We are going to close now seated with the Lord's Prayer. Who will bring us from shame to grace if we let him? Our Father, who art in heaven.
Chase, here's that song you've been asking me for for a million years. I finally pulled it out the pulled it out the corners of my mind, and um, here you go. Time in my life 
are green now, growing vines. They twist and turn each way, flowers blooming all the time right outside my door. Never before. I had to change everything to realize that today is the best day of my life. Cause this broken man I travel far and wide through the great divide. Just about to start. So I face each day in a brand new way. Show up and plug in my guitar. And I play my songs. And people sing along. And stomp their feet and raise their arms. And here in this moment that we share. Nothing could come The fog is lifted, see the light Count my blessings when I go to sleep at night And I dream now Yeah, I dream now And everything's alright <laughs> Oh man Going on 10 years old, that song is. God bless. I love you, Mike Chase. Bye. I think you know this one, don't you?
Shot. 